Father God, Lord, thank you for t- thank you for this moment, Lord. And I just pray that Holy Spirit just come and fill me afresh. That you would speak through me. That that these words would impact us today, God. Lord, that we would go out of this place on a different level, God. That we've come in here on one level, Lord, and we go out. On another level, God, that we wouldn't just learn something new, something to tickle our minds, God, but it wouldn't just be about information, God, but it would be about transformation. And through our transformation, God, we would see our worlds changed. Even if no one else notices, Lord, that you notice that it affects a few people even in our sphere, in our world, God. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that you call us to adventures with you, however public or private they are, God. In your great and awesome name. Amen. So today is called Into the Deep. And we're kind of following on. It's a similar style to last week. We're kind of following on um, from last week's sermon. And last week's sermon, for those of you guys who weren't here, we were speaking a lot about vision. I just come back from a conference in the UK and uh, trying to impart some of that to you guys. And this is a bit of a follow-on from that, that really the question last week was... Well, it was a statement which was, I could use somebody like you. This is God saying, I could use somebody like you. And we challenged ourselves at the end, didn't we? We were with that thing saying, I am available, do something with me, God. I'm available, do something with me. So today is this follow-on from that in as far as pushing into the deep. Maybe... Last week, you guys were challenged to take a step out into something, to start something. Maybe there was something in your heart that you felt God calling you to. Maybe it was a vision that you guys had laid down and you picked it back up, dusted it off. Maybe last week, you guys, actually, as I was speaking, it was just an encouragement that you you guys are already on a journey. You guys are already in a process, in a vision, walking in the thing that God's called you into. And so what today is about is really about understanding how to walk in the deep. It's understanding how to be a receiving receiver. A receiving receiver of what God has for us. And understand things as well to do with resistance. What's some practical stuff? How can we move forward well? What things do we need to avoid? What things can resist us? So look at these photos. Some of these guys you'll know. Some of them you won't. So obviously, Jackie... A lot of you guys know Jackie. I don't even need to say what Jackie's done, right? She's, she's done some incredible stuff in Hong Kong. Some of the others you may not know. Some people from the UK may know Mike, Mike Pilavachi, up at the top right, started the Soul Survivor kind of movement, part of Soul Survivor Watford, and a huge impact in youth in the UK. For me, a lot of the visions I've shared with you about my youth all happened in Soul Survivors, and so I probably wouldn't be here, I wouldn't be as I am today without their, their ministry. And then you've got guys like Peter Pretorius, they, they've started organizations in Africa that they feed, clothe, and educate over a million kids every single day in Africa. Heidi Baker's also doing a a load of stuff in Africa. This guy, probably no one knows who this guy is. His name is Ying Kai, and he planted about 800,000 churches in southern China. Incredible, incredible ministry. And the man in the the middle, his name's Yinka, and he's a pastor. You've heard me speak about his ministry a little bit. He's a pastor from Reading, and he's actually, his family founded Lagos. He's like the heir, like king or prince of Lagos, whatever you want to call it. But he decided not to follow in that family tradition, and he actually became a pastor in the UK instead. And 
they've started this movement in the UK called The Turning, and partnering with churches and cities, they're doing it big, big in Scotland. He was at the conference I was just at, and they're seeing amazing things. They're seeing thousands of people on the streets of the UK just coming to faith. Like one weekend, I think I mentioned a couple of weeks back, one weekend in South Wales, over a thousand people gave their lives to Jesus just on the street. Amazing stuff that's going on through this guy's ministry. But what is it that these guys all have in common? And I've picked, I just want to say as well, kind of caveat it, I've picked people that they obviously are all doing a kind of Christian ministry in some way. But that's not the, the framework as such for what we're talking about. But these guys, what they've got in common is that they're receiving receivers. So when I'm speaking about this stuff, I'm not saying you guys need to go and start some like massive ministry and do that. That there's just good, easy examples to, to give. That there are actually a lot of people around the world who are being receiving receivers, impacting their businesses, impacting their schools, impacting their communities and their friendship groups and things like that because they're receiving receivers. So what do I mean? So I keep saying receiving receivers. It's a bit abstract and weird. So what do I mean by that? Let's look at Acts 8, 14 to 17. Notice this word receive or received, receiving comes up a few times. Now, when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit, for he had not yet fallen upon any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they began laying their hands on them and they were receiving the Holy Spirit. Just a thing to note, do you notice here in this moment, this, this beautiful picture of word and spirit together? You never just have word, you never just have spirit. That they receive the word, but they also need to receive the spirit. That actually the, this having word and being deep in the word and loving the word and you know, reading the word and being in the word, so important. Receiving the spirit, being in the spirit, moving the spirit, so important. There's their old kind of phrase or whatever, if you just stay in the word, you can end up drying up. And if you just have to stay in the spirit, you can end up blowing up. So the other thing, guys, if you're here today and you say, actually, I've not been filled with the Holy Spirit, let's pray about that at the end. In that passage in English, we see that word receive, received, receiving. It comes up three times, right? It comes up three times. But actually, in the Greek, they're different words. The first one is one word, and then the second two are two other words. So the first word in Greek is this dekomai, which is to receive a truth or accept a thought. Okay? To receive a truth, accept a thought, be hospitable to a concept. And so that's the way that these guys received the gospel for the first time. That's how they're receiving the gospel. It's a bit more passive, a little bit more subjective. Whereas in the second two times, it's this word lambano. That's the way they're receiving the spirit which isn't just to be like, okay, yeah, I'll receive the spirit. It's, and I just kind of wait as this kind of passive waiting. It's this grasping it, this assaulting it, to take hold of it, to pursue a thing, to take up a thing. It's the word used to take up a thing to be carried. It's a word that they'd, they'd use actually for a saddle for a horse, that they'd put the saddle on the horse and like take up the saddle and it would kind of become part of the horse. It's this feeling of being so associated with something, like getting it and it being so associated with you that others who are looking on see it as your permanent companion. 
It's got, there's also this thing, they use this word around marriage and husband and wife and things like that. So I just think that's good to understand that biblically receiving moves in different places, receiving moves in different levels, there is a passive waiting like the word, when, when people receive the word. But then there is also this active laying hold and taking hold of things. And so concerning vision, when we're thinking of vision, when we're thinking of the things God's calling us to, sometimes it can be, okay, I'm just going to wait and just see what God does. But there is this thing concerning vision where it's an active thing that we step into. It's an active thing that we take hold of. So as God calls us to different things, he calls us to take hold of them. So it's like we grab them, we take them, we pick them up, we move with them. So vision is this thing that can be carried. It's not a kind of passive thing. I know for us, for the church, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of, it's, this is the vision, this is the heart, but it's not something that we've just kind of sat around and it's just kind of appeared. You know, actually, in English, that when we think about gifts and stuff like that, often it's something that we, it's very rude to actively get up and just like take, oh, like that, something like this, you know, or where's my present that you promised me, you know, but actually... There is this thing of actively getting up and taking it. So often we can read the word, we can receive it and kind of sit still and just wait for something to come our way. And that's the tragedy because there are believers all over the world who are kind of stuck at starting point, still waiting for something to happen because they won't actively receive. So that's why we need to move to become receiving receivers, where we are, are engaged with what we're expectant for. Not like, yes, God's promised me this. I'm just going to put that down there, wait for that, and just crack on with all this other stuff, which is maybe good stuff. But God, I hope and just pray. I hope that comes through one day. And sometimes there's timings for all different things. But it is about being engaged with what we're expectant for. You know, it's possible to love God with all your heart. Possible to love God with all your heart and not change the world not change your sphere. God's heart for us is to become this receiving receiver in different ways for all our different contexts. Now, Andrew Owen, the kind of, the guy who launched Destiny Ministries, he tells a story of years and years ago when he went on his first plane journey. Gets on the plane and he's he's on holiday with a friend. They're sat in different parts of the plane and they get off the plane and he says to his friend, I am so hungry. Can we go and get some food? And his friend says, didn't you just eat on the plane? And he said, well, they brought around the food, but, you know, I just couldn't afford, I, can't, I don't have any money with me. I can't afford the food because he'd never been on a plane before. And his friend said, the food is included in the price of the ticket. This was before, yeah, cheap airlines where you have to pay for everything, you know. Um, but, yeah, the food is included in the price of the ticket. God has good things for all of us, great things for you, you know, for whatever he's calling you to, whatever, wherever you're at, God has provision for your needs to be met. There is provision for the vision. I'm going to say that a lot today. You've got to get that in your head. There's provision for the vision. It's all there, guys. Everything that you'd ever need. So we don't receive because we qualify, we receive because of his grace. 
and often we don't receive because, like Andrew on the plane, we don't know it's even there. We don't know it's available to us. Everything that you need is available to you. And God wants us to walk in the reality of the full experience of receiving. If you think about Andrew's return flight, how much food do you think he ate? I think he emptied the plane. Sean Bowles, some of you guys may have come across Sean Bowles. He's a very prophetic guy. He's got a book, and I mean, he's a very prophetic guy, amazing guy, and he, he tells a story of a vision he has. An angel take, leads him into heaven and shows him all these warehouses, and the angel's basically teaching him and showing him all provision has already been made for all things. And there's one particular place in, in the book he goes, that he's speaking about, and he says, it was just rows upon rows of arms and legs and different limbs that they've been, they are for different people allocated for different times. That, and I think the concept trying to be taught is that it's not that God just suddenly thinks, oh, they just need that then, bang, and it's there. That all provision has been laid in store for all things already. In Luke 5, 3 to 10, I'm just going to read this section. There's a small section of it coming up. It says, And he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and he asked him to put out a little way from the land, and he sat down and began teaching the people from the boat. When he'd finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered and said, Master, we worked hard all night and caught nothing, but I will do as you say and let down the nets. When they had done this, they enclosed a great quantity of fish, and their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat for them to come and help them, and they came and filled both of the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw that, he fell down at Jesus' feet, saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For amazement had seized him and all his companions because of the catch of fish, which they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not fear. From now on, you will be catching men. You see, in this part, Jesus says, put your nets down into the water, catch the fish. And he says, master, we've worked all night, caught nothing, but I'll do as you say and let down the nets, even if it makes no sense to you, go for it. You know, these guys had been fishing all night and also they're professionals. They're like, who are you, you know, holy guy or whoever you are, to come and tell us how to do our jobs? That, that was their, their trade, they're experts in their trade. And Jesus calls them to an action in what they think they're awesome at. And they obey. But you see, they only, it was only their action that led them into experience and receiving. Had they not acted, nothing would have happened. Had they not put the nets down, nothing would have happened. The fish were there, they were waiting, but nothing would have happened. See, God loves it when we're expectant for more. If you think of those guys in the boat as well, think of just what's actually happened to them. These guys are fishermen that Jesus has given them such a blessing. For us today, we think, oh, wow, there's loads of fish. We don't see it as like there is thousands of pounds just been poured into their boat. 
But actually, that's their money, isn't it? That would have equated to so much money that's just come into, that's just come into their possession. And funnily, those guys are actually about to be called away from their business, away from their trade. What provisions there for the coming months and years of ministry? See, what happened in that moment, that there must have been something that wasn't just a bit of blessing. It was so much blessing, you know, so much blessing that people didn't, they didn't even celebrate and say, wow, this is amazing. Thank you, God. There was so much and so much love and so, like so much poured out that it caused Peter to fall on his knees and say, get away from me. I'm a sinful man. That the goodness of God in that moment because of his blessing, not because of anything else, but just because of this amazing generosity, amazing giving, amazing blessing. They see just how awesome God is. Peter's sin is revealed to him and he falls on his knees. Think what level of blessing that must have been to cause that. Let's expect for more. See, something in our culture Something in our culture can be a challenge, right? When we speak about wanting more, especially because there's maybe been a lot of people speaking about lots and like more and money and all this kind of stuff. And then we can sometimes on a pendulum swing go the other way. That in our culture, wanting more can sometimes seem like a bad thing. But really, it just depends what you want more of, why you want more of it. You know, for me, I want more. I want to see more people come to Jesus. I want to see more churches planted. And honestly, I want more money for the church because the more money the church has, the more stuff we can do because stuff costs money to do. So I would love to see more people hired that could give full time to ministry. I'd love to see ministries launched. I know plenty of people around the world who are called to full-time ministry and they can't do it because there's not the money there to support them. I'd love to feed the poor and see all kinds of great things happening in Hong Kong and abroad. So let's expect for more. That guy I said earlier, Peter Pretorius, who feeds, clothes and educates one million kids every single day. If you think, imagine it only costs 50 US cents, which is like nothing. 50 US cents, to feed, clothe, and educate a child every day. Well, that's still half a million dollars every single day that those guys need to find to keep the work going. Think about that. And then they've got admin and a whole bunch of other stuff, not just the actual thing. And so it can sound a bit ah, grit, like great. Like it sounds a bit sort of unchristian to want more. You know, we should be happy with what we've got. We should be content. But you know, God is the God of more. We can feel uncomfortable. I don't know, you guys may feel uncomfortable as I kind of chat about it, thinking about more money, more success, increase, breakthrough, all that kind of stuff. But actually, we have to be real and get real for a moment because, well, for one thing, it's actually our man, there is a mandate upon people, isn't there? Go into all the world. Remember, right at the beginning, it says, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. That's talking about increase. That's talking about growth. But all this stuff we speak about, like success in different things and finance to do ministry, all, all these things, all that stuff actually pales into insignificance compared to the cross. You see, never think 
You know, I feel like I need this, but maybe that's too much to ask God. Never think it's too much to ask God because nothing's too great for God to give. You know, we can't ever ask too much of God because he's already given everything. He's already given absolutely everything because he gave his son. You know, not just for our earthly blessing, our earthly success, but so that you could be raised to a place where all the tons of gold on the earth would never, ever raise you to. Jesus on the cross, he makes you righteous. He made you righteous, that you could stand in the presence of the Almighty, that right now, all of us together could pray and go into the very throne room in the Spirit. We could pray and be in the presence of God Almighty, that we've got that, that our last breath on earth will be our first breath in eternity. God cannot outgive himself from what he's already given, which was everything. We can stand before the Father and be called a child of God. How could we ask for anything more than that? See, compared to that, you know, compared to the blood of Jesus, a billion dollars is nothing. It's peanuts, isn't it? It's, it's not about the money or the perceived success or anything like that. And that's where people maybe mess up because they focus in on that and get head up with that. And there is idols within, within those things and there's a danger there. But it's all for him. It's all about his glory. It's all for his glory. And so don't shy away from being a receiving receiver because you think, oh, no, okay, well, I can't ask for money or success or things like that. Just make sure your heart's right, that it's for him, that it's for his glory. Because we need the resources to see lives transformed, the kingdom come, to see him glorified here on the earth. And so whatever you've been called to do, maybe there's a ministry in your heart and it's something like one of these guys who we, we saw up there. And there's that ministry and you're thinking, you're thinking, yeah, okay, I feel called to go and do this thing. That's great. But actually, if you're called to be an accountant, you know, me standing here is no more of a divine calling than somebody who's called to be an accountant, because you can be an accountant called to the glory of God. And so that's my hesitancy with always putting these examples of ministry up, because in our minds, we measure success often from a human level. But really, you know, what today is about is encouraging you to be a receiving receiver, either in the thing that you're moving towards, the vision on your heart, or it, maybe it's your career in the workplace that, that you're in. There is provision for every breakthrough in that place. If we want more, there is this thing, as I say, of like receiving, this taking hold, taking action. And some of the actions we've got to do are actually just pretty practical. So we're going to just go through seven different things, which are, you could call them resistance factors. Some are resistance factors. Some of them are more sort of on the positive side of that. So number one is perceptions. What's your perception? You know, people can give us the wrong perception of ourselves, tell us who we are, try and redefine who God says we are. And so we get a wrong perception of ourselves, try and pull down our vision, share your visions if you have them, you know, share your dreams. You've all got dreams. Share your dreams, but share them with safe people who aren't going to destroy them. But often, you know, it's not the perceptions of others that's the most dangerous that kill the vision. There's an enemy that can become the greatest enemy. Our enemies can really 
pull things down like nothing you've ever thought. Perceptions like, there's no fish here, you know? There's no way of doing this. It's too expensive. There's no time. I don't have the ability, the skill, the education to do that. Great Hong Kong one, I'm too busy. God's told me to do this, but I'm just too busy. I can't, I cannot do it. See, we don't see the world the way it actually is. This is true. We don't see the world the way it actually is. We see the world the way that we are. And so we need to change our perception and make sure our perception is correct, that we need to look through the right lens. Otherwise, everything can get a bit wonky. You know, sometimes people think what determines the success of a church, for example, is the size. And there's a perception around that. And so pastors can get in just a horrendous place where they're just constantly, it's great to grow and see people come to faith, but where it's just about growth, growth, growth. But the perspective of the church is really so important. Otherwise, you end up chasing the wrong things. Get around receiving receivers. Get around people because they can challenge our perceptions. They challenge in us what's possible. So number one, what's your perception? Don't let your enemy kill your desires, kill your dreams. Second one is comparisons. Make the right comparisons in life. Roosevelt, Teddy, he said the famous quote on many fridge magnets, um, comparison is the thief of joy. So true, right? When we compare ourselves with other people, it's just a nightmare. Because you're comparing yourself to a standard that you were never meant to reach or be anyway. Or you make yourself proud because you're comparing yourself to another, to, to somebody else. And that, that's, just, that's just horrendous, you know? Another comparison we like to make is actually with ourselves. We like to compare ourselves today with our past selves from like a year ago. So am I in a better place than I was a year ago? And we feel, oh, that's great. Or we feel, oh man, I'm not in as good a place. I need to try and bring things back to the status quo. And you know, actually, that's not very helpful because you're never moving forward. You're only just kind of keeping things in balance as time passes by. A better comparison is to flex your future muscles and see your future self, see that vision of where you're going and who you are in that place and compare yourself to, where, to, to that person and say, okay, what decisions do I need to make today? What things do I need to change today to become or to reach that place tomorrow? Look where you're going. Remember I said the church are God's tomorrow people today. We need to have an eye on the future. I was saying that I've often said to myself, I think it's very powerful, which is the decisions you make today will affect the life that you live tomorrow. So true. If you want to see something happen in a year's time, you've got to start making changes today. The stuff, good decisions or bad decisions that you do today, that will be what your life looks like further down the line. You know, the cake mixture doesn't look like a cake and it's disgusting to eat and it's unprepared, but you make some decisions, you put some stuff together and then put it in the oven, and over some time, something comes out. And as well, I mean, it's not such a comparison thing, but this thing of just kind of being re realistic, okay? You may think, oh, I'm just dreaming, you know? Maybe it's not God. I just can't see how this thing's going to get done. And you say to yourself, be realistic, James. Don't live in a dream world, James. And it seems wise, but actually only to a point. Because, you know, guys, you've got to dream. All great things have always come from someone having an incredible dream and living it out. 
And so that through this process of going deeper into your vision, walking out, whatever, whatever the thing is on your heart, we're going to hit points along the way. And especially if it's ministry side of stuff, but that's just from my personal experience. It may, maybe happens in business as well. Actually, I think it does happen in kind of business in the world where God, where you're praying and you're saying, God, what shall I do? And he tells you to do something. And it makes no sense. He says, put the nets out. Again, go out and put nets out. It's just like, that makes no sense. We tried that already, you know. Or you just don't do that. that that's not how you function in this business. God's going to ask us to do some crazy stuff but actually, there comes a point where common sense, being realistic, just doesn't cut it. And you don't understand it, but you just have to do it. And as you do it, and after you've done it, then you'll understand it. And that's been my experience the whole time, where God says stuff, it's terrifying, we do it. Sometimes it's a year to do, we do it. And then you look back and you're like, wow, God, you're amazing. So there comes that moment you've got to take a walk of faith. That's number three, limiting beliefs. Do you believe? Big one, right? We can say about all this stuff about eternity and heaven and, you know, the, the blood of Christ has made us righteous before the Father. And it's all great. But when God says, give away all your money and go to this place or, or give this much money to this place or, or, or just quit the job or something like that, it's like, oh, you know, suddenly it's, it's right there. The power of God will only be fully experienced when we genuinely believe. That it's our belief and our faith that sees these things come into being. And so some of the um, things that can limit our belief are traditions. Sometimes a tradition can limit our belief. Sometimes we can just lack a confidence in ourselves or lack a confidence in God, rather. And we feel, sometimes feel inadequate that I am not good enough for this. I don't believe that I could do this. But you know what? Your sense of inadequacy is inadequate. I, we mentioned this a bit last week, that our sense of inadequacy is inadequate because he said that he'd never leave you. So we need to come to a place where we trust God. And really, that's what it comes down to. Do you trust God? Unbelief quite often is really just mistrust. It's basically, we don't say this, but it's basically saying, I'm not sure if the God of the universe, the God in who I've placed my hope for eternity, the God who said he was the provider and would come through for me, maybe he won't provide. I'm not, I'm not sure if I 100% trust him. Maybe he won't come through. Maybe he'll let me down. And that's when we worry. That's when we have a worry about something, because we say, oh, maybe God's not coming through on this thing. So speak truth over limiting beliefs. Fourthly, it's pretty practical, and it is take charge of your own learning. Take charge of your own learning. You know, I actually had, until I came to Hong Kong, I'd never really thought about, well, if I don't know something, I could learn it. It's quite a Hong Kong thing, actually, to to do a new skill, do a course, stuff like that. I thought, if I don't know it, I need to find someone who does know it. You know, I finished school, that's done. But so we can end up getting stuck in a rut with all kinds of things. But you know what? It takes guts to get out of ruts. 
It takes guts to get out of ruts. Don't get stuck in a rut. You know, this actually person, I'm going off topic a little bit. Well, it's on topic, but off, off, off script. The worst word I've ever been given, prophetic word I've ever been given, it made me so mad that all these other guys around me were getting great words about stuff they were going to do. And this guy came up to me and he gave me this word and he said, I just feel God saying to you, the Scottish guy, he said, I feel God saying to you, don't get stuck in a rut. And I thought, I'm going to kill him. That's the worst prophetic word ever. I felt condemned. Anyhow, it's been like the best prophetic word because there's been different times. I mean, I've been given different prophetic words over time that have kind of come and gone stuck. But that one, I just know so much of God because a number of times as we've been on this journey, people have said to me, James, be careful you don't get stuck in a rut. And I've been like, have you been speaking to Liam, who's the guy who gave me the prophecy? And they hadn't. But... You know, it can be so easy just to keep going with the same old, same old, our routines, the things we do. For me, to get out of a rut, the way I describe it, because there's been different ruts. You guys have all been in the ruts with me. You know, there was like church on a Thursday. It was just like, oh, to get on the church on a Sunday. To, like, even that was stressful and like a huge spiritual like, effort for me. And church on a Sunday to church on a, like on a public venue. There's been all these different things. But from the way I describe it, it's almost like when you have to go through that, you know when you lift something really heavy up onto a shelf and you know you couldn't even walk with it just over there? It's literally just like, like that. That's pretty much how I feel when I need to get out of a rut. It's almost like lifting a train from one track here to a higher track up here. So we have to make sure we don't get stuck. We've got to take those big bang and then we carry on going in that place. And actually, as we go through, as time passes, as we practice and we move forward, stuff doesn't work the first time round, often doesn't work the second, third or fourth time round. But as we go and we persevere, we learn because we succeed. And with our success, that success leaves various clues for us. We learn what works and what doesn't work. So you guys can go off, you can learn a new skill, as I say, very Hong Kong thing. What is it that you guys need to develop in order to move more in the thing that God is calling you into? But the other thing as you kind of go through life, pay attention and listen and remember how God works. Because there's the way the world works in different ways, and we learn that very easily. But actually, there are ways that God works, which are unseen ways, which really are foundational. They're so important, but they can be easy to miss or easy just to kind of stuff happens. And we don't, we don't take note of them, take account of them. You know, the thing I've really learned is over the years, just how faithful God is to provide. I've been in so many situations where I literally have no idea how we're going like, to have money or have provision for, for different needs, and God 100% every single time comes through. So when we come to a big challenge, like some of the challenges we're facing now in church, I don't have any bit of worry. But I think of the, some of the stuff I was worried about years ago, and like there was really, in comparison, I had loads of money. There was literally no, nothing to worry about. And lastly, find, find a mentor. Maybe there's someone who's walked a path before you. Find someone who can get around you and help you. Number five is develop a spirit of excellence. Whatever you do, do with excellence. Proverbs 22, 29 says, do you see someone skilled in their work? They will serve before kings. They will not serve before officials of low rank. So decide to do your work with excellence, whatever that is. Never be like, oh, I'll just do. Whatever, like your jobs, whatever you're doing, do it with excellence. There's something beautiful and biblical around that. 
Mark 7, 37, they're speaking about Jesus. And it says, the people were overwhelmed with amazement. It says, he has done everything well, they said. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. So excellence is a, is a constant pursuit of improvement. I don't know if you guys do this, but think about all the different, the, the thing that you're really doing, whether it's your job or some aspect of your hobby, whatever the thing may be, the, a vision that God's calling you into, and that may be your career as well, but constantly pursue improvement. It's that thing of maximum effort. Be the best you can be. Number six, right relationships. The people around you are important. Like we said, people can give us wrong perceptions and pull us down. But also, sometimes that can happen, kind of. And we have people around us, and we get pulled down. And I've seen this happen to lots of people. And they say, OK, I'm not having people around me. Because actually, people, I don't like people particularly getting involved in this. You know, I just, I just want me. I'm going to do this. No one's going to be around me. So I'll, uh, I'll not include people. But actually... We need a great team of people around us to succeed. If you look at most successes, even like individual successes, you'll still see a team. You look at an athlete, you'll see a team. You look at an author, they have acknowledgements, don't they? You'll see a team of people that are around them seeing the thing succeed. So our relationships are important. And then something that's unique with the church and relationships is we all need a pool over us a Timothy under us and Barnabas's around us. That really, who's discipling you? And I want to pick that up for, for church. Who are you discipling? Who are you speaking into? Whose life are you speaking into? What peers around you are encouraging you and going on a journey with you? So we need trustworthy people to speak into our lives who can hold us up when we're like, this, I'm stopping, I'm done, you know? And they say, no, keep going. Who can hold us up. But also, and this is the most important thing for us as individuals and also for church. You can always challenge me in this if church ever wavers on this, is be accountable. When people are around you, you can be accountable. As a church, we are accountable. If we were accountable to the other Destiny churches, particularly into Destiny Edinburgh, it's probably one of our closest accountability connections, you know. That's where Prince came from. So within Destin, you know, those guys, they challenge us. They say, James, they challenge me all the time and it's uncomfortable. You know, that they ask me to be accountable in so many different, different areas and aspects. But then even Destiny Ministries itself is accountable to other ministries. They make themselves open and vulnerable to these other ministries to come in and speak to them and hold them to account in how, our, in how Destiny Ministries moves forward. Lastly, then, coming to land, is get out into the deep. Title, right? Get out into the deep. What is it that God is saying to you? Get out into the deep. See, we can spend, this kind of ties in a bit with last week, but we can spend so long, can't we, having the dream. This has been me. I remember my kind of teenage years having these dreams and then just, ah, do nothing with it. But like sitting on these dreams holding these dreams and never actually doing something with it. I really like this, this saying, which is do something you've never done before to get something you've never had before. If you want to move to a place where you've got something or you have something that you've never had before, you've got to do something that you've never done before. So have the courage 
to step out into the complete unknown. And, you know, people will have walked those paths. It's unknown for you, but for most people, you know, I don't, unless it's like free diving to the bottom of the ocean or something like that, a place no one's ever been. Like most things, people, a lot of things people have walked in before, you know. It's just challenging for us in our moment, in our time. And sometimes people can be like, okay, well, there's this kind of false humility. You can call it like timidity. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I can't do that. I'm not going to do that. But actually, you know, humility is great, but timidity isn't great. Actually, timidity can be a bit of a disease. So don't confuse the two. Uh, to be fierce, step out, be active, take hold of it, grasp it, take it up. But at the same time, be humble as well. And you know, guys, sometimes we fail. I know, I know some folk have a real challenge with failure, that they cannot fail once. But actually, it's inevitable in doing something that you're going to fail. But the thing to remember is that failure is not a person. Failure is an event. Remember we said that you are a child of God, so you can never, ever be a failure. All great things, I can't, apart from Jesus, so like most great things, okay, apart from the cross, most great things are built on a bedrock, a foundation of failure. So don't let fear, don't let that fear of failure paralyze you. Whoever you are, God can use you. So don't lose confidence. And also don't go looking for confidence in the wrong place. Hebrews 10.35 says, so do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You know, this isn't self-confidence. The Bible actually doesn't really speak about self-confidence. Even David, where he goes to encourage himself, he goes away to the side and he encourages himself. He builds his confidence. But what does he do? He encourages himself in the Lord. The Bible speaks a lot about my confidence, your confidence, and our confidence in God Almighty, in our confidence in the Holy Spirit who said he would never leave you, confidence of the King of glory and the Holy Spirit who we have received, who we've become one with, who we walk out into the world with. And so like Peter steps out of the boat, remember Peter steps out of the boat in the storm, you guys can step out of the boat. Why? Because we've got a confidence no matter how challenging the situation is, no matter how stormy it is, no matter how many, uh, I can't see how this is going to happen, things are out there, we know he is faithful. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. That he's called us to be receiving receivers. That Peter, see, he only sinks when he takes his eyes off Jesus and looks at the storm. Jesus never takes his eyes from Peter. So, our victory, our victory comes in him when we're focused on him above all else. So guys, the challenge today is are you ready either to continue walking into the deep, to step into that place, whatever God is calling you to. And maybe you guys are here today and you're walking it already. Maybe you started last week and you've, you kind of feel you've begun that journey. If you want to chat, chat through it, pray through it, come and speak to me. But my encouragement is walk as a receiving receiver. There is the abundance of all things that you need. And I'm not just talking about, about like money, because that's an easy thing to picture. But, you know, your courage, that's there. Your bravery, 
the actual various resources, other people, you know, the people to walk with you in that journey. Anything you need, there is provision for the vision. I'm just going to pray. Just take a few minutes just to kind of respond to God. And it could be that today I've spoken to you about something. Just turn it down a bit, yeah. I've spoken about something and you've been... You weren't here last week and you're saying, yes, God, I am making a commitment to step out in this thing. Or maybe, you know, you're here today and you're walking in a way, but you're struggling and you're saying, yeah, God, I'm going to walk as a receiving receiver today. Well, I'm just going to trust you that you have all the provision for this vision. So let's pray. Guys, just take a moment in quiet. Because I just feel the Holy Spirit just wants like a, re, a reminder, a reiteration that these things, they're not necessarily st starting things, you know. It may, it may be that it's a career and there is just an amazing way that God actually wants to speak and work through you in that industry just to bring, see him glorified in that place bring the kingdom into that industry in a new and fresh way. Like at the moment in uh, Los Angeles, there's amazing work moves of Christian actors and incredible Christian films that are coming out that are real, like, that, that are really touching people. There's, um, I just feel as well, God would just say <laughs> that it may not even be within career. It could be something completely separate that we maybe label it as a hobby or something like that. But there's, there, are, there are so many different areas. God is the God of the rainbow, right? He's the God of so many wonders and facets that you know in your heart. Never let something be, never let that thing, that little flame maybe that's in your heart be snuffed out by the doubt that says, oh, no, that's not very Christian or that's not very kind of big ministry-like or that's not very, very vision-like. 
God knows each and every single one of you and he can do incredible things through you. It's not about one person changing the world. It's about every single person bringing the kingdom, being that receiving receiver, bringing it out into our worlds. So guys, we're just gonna, I'm just going to finish in a prayer and then we're going to worship and we're going to sing... Um, we're going to sing that song, Take Courage. And I, when you sing that, guys, I pray that you sing that, sing that over each other. Sing that over your own hearts as well. Because it takes courage to step out against the status quo. It takes courage to do something that isn't easy. It takes courage to take action. It takes courage to, to take up that vision. It takes courage to trust, to jump, and just say, God, Lord, I'm available. Do something with me. I trust you. I'm going into this. I'm going into the deep with you. I'm stepping out of the boat, and my eyes are fixed on you. So, Father God, Lord, I thank you for today, God, and I just pray for each life here, each life represented here in this place, God, and I pray for the people that will be impacted through their lives, God. I pray for the families that will be impacted through their lives, through their deeds, through their words, through, their, through the things that they do, Father God. Lord, I pray that you surround them with your spirit, Lord. Fill them afresh right now in the name of Jesus, God. Lord, that you ultimately, through us, would be glorified, God. That you would be glorified, that your name would be glorified in Hong Kong, Lord, that your name would be glorified in Asia and around the world, Jesus. Lord, I thank you, God. You are mighty, God. You're King of kings and Lord of lords. Lord, I pray courage on each of my friends, my brothers and sisters' hearts right now, Lord. That thing that they have there burning in them, the dreams, the desires, Lord, that, Lord, that you would hold them, that, they would, that you would carry them through, Lord, out of the boat. In your mighty name, Jesus. Amen.